Kia ora, I'm Jen. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS OF ONE'S OWN. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Oh, well, podcast peeps, you're joining us on another <laughs> eventful day in office politics. Holy shit. <laughs> A lot of very sensitive egos being wounded. Wounded. And men holding their heads. The egos will belong to cis men, just to clarify. Yeah, all men. Men who take any kind of criticism as a personal affront, apparently. And yet, we are always supposed to be open and receptive of their feedback. Yeah. And yet, every feedback they receive is a personal attack. I mean, just a startling lack of self awareness from full grown adults, I think. Startling is the correct (laughs) term. Yes. I feel like we're doing a news report. A startling lack of awareness. (laughs) Adults in today's climate. Well, I mean, yeah. Newsflash. Suck it up. <laughs> like, Yeah, it's just like the resilience, the lack yeah, of resilience, yeah, 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 which yeah. I feel like comes like from... Like thinking your hot shit, anyone challenging you on that, and then suddenly you just crumbling, becoming a husk. Yeah, and I think that comes from privilege, right? Like being in a, a privileged position in society where you're like from a relatively well-to-do background, you're well-educated, you've never been challenged, you've always gotten everything you wanted. Society has been built for you, right? Like if you yeah. imagine who society is built for, it's for people like this. And therefore, any kind of challenge becomes an insurmountable obstacle, whereas the rest of us who have been through challenges are like, what are you talking about? So anyway, welcome to the podcast. Yeah. So happy to be here. If anything, this is actually, it's a great venting <laughs> forum. And also maybe because it's not, it's more than just like our mums listening to this. Yeah. So some people are into it too. Yeah. So foundation. Thanks. Yeah, no, otherwise, fine week. Just, it's, you know, towards the end of winter here, mm-hmm. weather's shit, mm-hmm. everyone's got colds. I mean, we talk about this every week, but yeah, it's just. The struggle continues. Yeah, this is the, uh. Shining light in the in the darkness. Yeah. Doing this podcast with you. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah, I'm fine. I've just got a sore back, which is plaguing me all week. But um, we'll see if we can get through this. Yeah, hour I mean, stand up. Session. Just stand up, dude, if you need to. Yeah, to just yeah. power pose. Yeah, yeah. To get power, my points yeah. across. Yeah, yeah, literally. No. Yeah, this is what getting old gets you. You, you come into your thirties and it's just like random sore back one day for no reason. Oh no, you sat slightly at a weird angle and now you will be crippled for the rest of the week. Literally, I read a meme which was like. You know you're getting old when you sleep on a strange pillow, and it's the equivalent of like falling out a third floor window. I was like, "Fucking a, yeah." When I go away, I take my own pillow. I'm not oh. sleeping on an Airbnb pillow. This neck can't take it. <laughs> oh, on that note. Um, so this week we're finishing off season one by watching episodes twelve and thirteen, "Bad Wolf" and "The Parting of the Ways." Um, so the Doctor, Rose, and Jack are separated and forced to compete in a twisted and deadly game on the game station. As the Dalek fleet begin their attack on Earth, the Doctor and these aliens make oh no, the Doctor and his <laughs> allies make one final stand. I mean, there are aliens, but there yeah, there are aliens. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of aliens. Cool. <laughs> so exciting. First of all, Bechdel test. I mean, it's marginal. I th- it's like, Jackie and Rose oh, having yeah. that conversation. But, yeah, but it's still, like, all about... Oh, no, I mean, they do talk about, like, what's good for her and what she wants and her life rather than it just being, like, all about getting back to the Doctor. Yeah, and they talk about Pete. Oh, yeah, true. Which is a dude, but, like, not in a love interest way. No. Yeah. Yeah, no, it counts. But still, that is, like, it's an hour and a half of content, right? Two apps. Very minimal. Yeah. I'm There's a lot to... of female characters separate to each other. 
talking and there's to that men. Whole subplot about you know the woman who's like a career woman, and then the last minute love confession by that guy being like, "I followed you here, like I was always in love with you," and then they die. Like love a deathbed oh, confession. Oh yeah. But I always get annoyed by that because I'm like, oh, stop giving men these ideas that they can just wait. Like if you just wait long enough, she'll come around. But anyway, overall episode thoughts. So Bad Wolf. Like, fine, good. Mm-hmm. The Parting of the Ways, fantastic. Mm. I was really into it. I really, like, act probably like one of my faves of the yeah. whole season. I agree. I thought I everyone was great. Great acting, great yeah. characters, pulls the just, threads together. Just pacey as fuck. Just yeah. so much pace. I was into it. And it's lovely. Like, I love how it does bring all the bits together. It's like all these yeah. things through this season. Like, Russell T. Davis is very good at just pulling those threads together. Um, you have to hand it to him. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and also Ultimate Baddies, 500,000 Daleks. Yeah, Whoa. reconstituted out of kidnapped humans. Yeah, super creepy. The Dalek lair, very intense. Very intense. Dalek commander person. Daleks found religion. Mm, which, you know, not a good time. No, Doctor's in crisis. Yeah. For a lot of reasons. But also, he does not like that. Yeah. So, it's my turn to pick discussion question. So, I know I say this every week, but I feel like there were a lot that I could have picked. Mm-hmm. Like, there was good, there was a lot of content, especially because it's two hours too. So yeah. Oh, two yeah. hours? Made that up. Just hour and a half. <laughs> two Fs. So, what I went with is the theme of power and control. Coming at this from various angles. So, within the episode... We have Bad Wolf Corporation, which has been this kind of motif through the season. Like, we've seen Bad Wolf on posters, Bad Wolf, like, graffitied somewhere, everywhere. Um, so it turns out the Bad Wolf Corporation are in, it looks like they're in charge of the game station, which is Satellite 5, 100 years in the future, from when we last saw Satellite 5. So it's still, like, 200,000 years in the future from now, but, mm. yeah. So they are controlling all of the entertainment uh, for humanity, but by force, making people compete Mm. so this is like a very obvious element of they are literally controlling humanity and people's ability to you know survive in that situation like only one person will survive in each game they're also controlling this is the female controller who is on satellite five who's like super plugged in she Mm. looks like a ripoff of alice krieger from the borg one of the star trek films yeah 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 the borg anyway yeah so she, there's a line, a super creepy line, like she was installed at five years old. It's the only life she's ever known. Mm. And then she talks about this kind of power and control by masters. When she says, my master's watching in the dark space, guiding and controlling the earth, meaning the Daleks. Mm-hmm. So there's that aspect, I thought. But then also varying characters in different areas. So like uh, the doctor's power and control that he has over shaping the course of the past and the present and the future. And he has this whole epiphany moment when he's like, this shouldn't have happened. He said, last time I was here, I put it right. Mm. And he realizes that actually he fucked it up. Yeah. Like, which I, what he did made it worse, made this happen. I really love that because it kind of threw back to our last episode, Boomtown, where Blonde was like, you just come in, yep. you fuck shit up, and then you leave. And this is like the, the ultimate culmination yeah. of that. This is what happens when you don't see the consequences through. And he was asked to stay when he left Satellite mm-hmm. 5, he was asked to stay and like clean things up properly and he was like, no, you got this and then just off he went. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so he has all this power to change things in conjunction with the TARDIS and feels like it's all within his control. Well, actually it is not. Mm. Again, 
He feels like he's controlling um, what needs to happen with Rose by sending her back in time to keep her safe when it looks like shit's gonna hit the fan. And then Rose demonstrates a shit ton of control over wanting to shape her own, like have agency over her own destiny. Because she's like, no, I will not be back here. I need to go and help him. So moves heaven and earth and mm. uh, utilizes big towing trucks um, to <laughs> rip apart the TARDIS's heart panel. Mm. Yeah, and so controlling there you know, her own destiny and, and finding a way back to help them. So I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of themes here. I mean, feminism, classically, power and control yeah. over women by the patriarchy and a micro level and a macro level, bodily yeah. autonomy. Yeah. I mean, everything. Um, It's really interesting because when you first suggested power and control, I'm like, why does this phrase ring a bell to me? And then I remembered that at university we did a whole semester on Foucault and the semester was called Power and Control because Foucault, you know, French philosopher slash postmodernist who did a lot of work on the relationship between power and knowledge, power and surveillance. He was particularly concerned with, like, the surveillance state and how you don't have to control people through fear. You can control people through institutional power, but institutional power isn't held by individuals it's everywhere because it's so cemented in how people view the world Mm. so it's not just one person who holds the power it's like in everything like power is everywhere and people will start to you know conform and do these things and monitor themselves so you get this really compliant population because they're so used to being surveilled they're so used to being told what to do and it starts from discipline in schools you know being enforced to work in certain ways like dress code stuff like that all these things that are enacted on the body influences how you exert power and how power is exerted on you so I was like oh yeah I remember vaguely remember that from university (laughs) and there's a heap of parallels in that like I mean to some degree what can they really do to help it but when he know he meets Linda with a Y um in the big brother game sets like she's just like this is just the way it is like Mm -hmm. how do you not know like they you know this has been going on for a hundred years they just zap you off the face of the earth yeah yeah, so there's this thing about, in Foucault, there's this paradox in his thinking about, like, if someone has to exert power while at the same time no one can be exerting power, how do you solve that paradox? And there's this theory that, you know, even if individuals and in group have a free choice, they're also affected and limited by their context. So you have free will, but only within the system mm. in which you operate. So is that, what is free will in yeah. that context, right? So I find that really interesting, and I find it really interesting, this idea that you can control people through the body. So the idea of the um, female controller who's been installed at the age of five, like her body is literally being used against her will to run this thing. And it's a surveillance state. Like the Daleks are exercising control and power over the, the Earth by surveilling them and like using these television, reality TV shows to control them, but also witnessing everything through the controller. And the only reason she can reach out and have a resistance is when she is hidden from them, when they have that solar flare. Yeah. Which, again, is quite Foucaultian in the sense that there's always room for resistance. You just need to work within the system that you have. He does a lot of work as well around queer theory and things. He's quite interesting as a philosopher. I think Linda is interesting because she immediately sort of latches onto the doctor, becomes real buddy-buddy with him, and then she wants to travel with him. And he's like, yeah, sure. He's like really open to it. Rose is missing and you're already like... Yeah. But I think it's quite an interesting bait and switch in a way because it's it's like they're setting us up that Rose is going to be exterminated or like by the android. Mm. And then Linda's already there. It's exactly what they did with the Dalek episode where we had Adam. So you think that, oh, maybe Rose has died and we've got this ready-made companion to take her place. Yeah, true. Interesting with Linda too is that that she's comes across as quite naive, mm. maybe. But and then yeah, she's like super keen, like after not much persuasion at all, to carry on with the Doctor. But then as soon as she comes across Jack, it's like she's just enthralled by him. Mm. So 
power as well, conformity aspect of power, because you see that with this game show thing, right? So Rose is on the weakest link. Yeah. And people are like, we'll keep you in because you obviously don't know and therefore you're, mm. it's great to have you here. So that's another, like people trying to take control, people trying to have power in situations where they are essentially powerless. Like that yeah. man was like, I'll game the system, yeah. you know? I think that man was Alan Johnson from Peep Show. Did you ever watch Peep Show? I did watch Peep yeah. Show, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, because you're looking for, you know, and even him at the end of the second app, like he's, you know, he's like, no, where's my money? I won, I won. Like gripping onto that tiny bit of control he has, which got him through that game, mm-hmm. which was, I won. I was there to get my money. I want my money. This is my, you know, this is my reward. Which you you could argue is how we are kept in this capitalist nightmare that we live in, not to get too uh, leftist for people, but this is kind of your American dream. This is why people vote for right-wing parties because it's like, well, if I just work hard enough, then I can be the rich person. I can build myself up. I can have what that person has, this aspirational person. You're holding on to this dream of control, but you're the one who's being controlled. You're the one who has no power and you're being kept in that position because you being in that position gives those higher-up people the control and the power. So they want you to believe that, that you can get there but you can't get there because the system is not built for you. Well, yeah, and it's like what you said before, like, um, if everybody has the control and the power, then no one effectively does, right? Yeah, and if all all that keeps us in place is social constructs. Mm. Like, power, money, all of it is just a social construct that we have all collectively decided to believe in. Like, law. What, what does anything mean? I love postmodernism. Big fan, <laughs> big fan. Nothing means anything. Everything is a construct. Money is a construct. Time is a construct. <laughs> we were literally sitting at our desk today being like, why are we here? Like, what is I did not consent to capitalism, <laughs> is what Which, I said. Yeah, and none of these people have consented to being in these weird reality TV shows. Like, I hope... I do not want a future where we have this many reality TV shows. 80 Big Brother houses running at the same time. Oh, nah. Like, can you imagine? So, nice nice segue into this. So, the games that we see the Mm. Doctor and Rose and Jack kind of Mm. parachuted into in um, the episode Bow Wolf um, are essentially Big Brother... Weakest link. And I'm pretty sure it's what not to wear. Yeah, with Trini and Susanna. With Trini and Susanna. And those are like absolute classics of the noughties. Super problematic. <laughs> what not to wear is just horrific. Especially, and they said that line that they were, you know, don't wear black with colour, it cheapens the colour and it makes the black look boring. <laughs> I'm like, I remember that from being like a 15 year old and being like, don't wear black with colour, don't wear black with colour. <laughs> Like, as real bad, like, if we watch that now, like, that show did not age well. But anyway. Yeah, and then the android is obviously Anne Robertson. I think, so I made this in my notes. I think it's actually... Her voice, correct. Yeah, so it's Davina McCall Mm -hmm. doing the Big Brother one. Anne Robertson actually doing the android voice. And And I think it's Trina and Susanna doing the, in capitals in my notes, scary fashion bots. Yeah. I do love when they're like, it's to die for. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So do you think they were chosen? Because obviously they've been plucked from the TARDIS into this world and this whole thing. So the Doctor is very out of control, which is very unusual for him because he's usually the one with the power, with the answers, and he's confused as to how this has happened because it shouldn't be allowed and the what's her name has done it the controller whatever her name is yeah do you think she's purposely put them in these games that reflect uh, is it meant to reflect their personalities that she's put them in these games like the the doctor's Mm. been put in big brother because he is you know omnipotent yeah or or thinks he is at least thinks he is yeah and you know rose has been put in the weakest link because maybe she thinks she is the weakest link like maybe it plays on her insecurities as not mm. being as worldly or as 
And Jack's just window dressing. Jack's just there to be pretty, so he's been put in. Wow, yeah, great point, great point, great Mm. assessment. I mean, the ultimate power and control then is within these games because they're literally competing for your life. Mm. Like, you know, rather than just humiliation or whatever. Yeah, and Rose thinks it's so funny, right? Like, she's laughing and laughing until someone dies. Which she believes is them getting killed. Well, and I mean, not in that instant, but they ultimately are getting made into Daleks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're ultimately getting killed still. Yeah, the Daleks in control of everything. Interesting. Yeah. Mm. Surely there was an easier way to harvest. I know. And this is, well, I think, I think they just like, well, they're like, we need to find some way to like, we just, they just watch TV all day, every day. There's 40,000 TV channels because life on earth sucks the big one. So Mm. no one's got anything to do. You can't go outside because like the air's horrific, you know, this is when the doctor's having his epiphany of like, wow, I really fucked shit up because this is meant to be the golden age of humanity, but it's not at all. Yeah. So the humanity is being pacified and entertained to try and distract them and not form a resistance, right? Yeah. Fight these games. And then they're like, well, we have to hunger games it. Yeah. <laughs> like, to be entertaining enough, maybe? I don't know. Or it's the ultimate threat of... Because it never describes how they pick... No, it's completely random. It's completely random. Which is interesting because you think, you'd, like, if I was that, I'd pick out... Um, descent, uh, like dissenters. Yeah, absolutely. Problem children. Yeah, anyone who looked like they were going to be the the rotten apple spawning the barrel. But I think the implication is that no one is. Everyone's so docile and complacent. You've basically yeah. created a herd animals, which is kind of this Foucauldian idea as well of how power is con- exerted because you use science and you use knowledge and you use the media to make a norm to create a conformed like a conformity or like an expected standard of behaviour. And then anyone who doesn't fit that behaviour becomes an outlier, becomes a dissenter, becomes... Othered. Yeah. And then they become problems to solve and you solve them. You know, he uses examples from of homosexuality and like being treated as a mental illness mm. in the ye olden times and how even being treated, like if you had a mental condition, a mental health condition, that also was treated as like, you know, you were sent locked up basically and how you become this problem to be managed. And it, it's done under the, the guise of knowledge and enlightenment it's been like we know all these things now mm, and this is yeah. the norm and the norm mm. is to be straight so therefore if you're not straight this is we know this because of science right yes. this is what the turfs yeah. are trying to do no absolutely i think there's some really interesting parallels there generally with queerness mm. in that okay well we recognize that you know there's lots of other things but or ways to be or ways to present or ways to identify ways to experience your orientation sexuality gender identity but how can we control that? How can we understand that? Is to label, mm-hmm. is to categorize, is to be like, well, okay, if we if we know about it, if we can like, you know, do a nice little taxonomy of yeah, you can't just yeah. you can't just live your reality. It has to be boxed up in a particular way that is palatable yeah. within the system of control. Otherwise, if you just lived, if everyone just lived and did their thing, you become uncontrollable. And if you're not conforming, if you're not controllable, how can power be exerted on you? How will you be kept yeah. in line if everyone is just, like, autonomous? Or how can we understand without overstepping into control? Yeah. yeah. we need to understand. Yeah. We yeah, need yeah, to yeah. understand. The problem then is, like, is our quest for information, is the quest to understand then a noose for our necks? Like, yeah. you create your own problems. Yeah, it's interesting. And I think it definitely applies, you know, feminism and queerness. As we've discussed previously... You, if you don't conform, you become a problem. Like, if you don't fit the box, you become a problem. Whether that is how you dress at work, whether that is how you present yourself in a meeting. Deciding not to have children and then, you know, making yourself stand mm. out because of that. And Yeah. 
And then you become a threat because as soon as you're not conforming, you become a threat to the whole ecosystem. And then everyone Well, yeah, because people interpret that as undermining how they've chosen to fall in line, follow a, a narrative, right? Mm. And then if you don't do that, then it, you know... Which turns people against each other. Question, yeah, yeah that, that oh, like, fuck, well, I felt like I had to do this. I felt like I had to get pick a man at 20, get married and have kids. and Which you would argue is how we remain in systems that are not equal because we're so busy with these little micro decisions that we make, whereas there are bigger issues that need to be considered on a macro level, but because they keep us busy yeah, yeah. fighting amongst each other about nonsense, we can't fight those big battles. Revolution win. Although, I think there's some Foucault argument that revolution is actually pointless as well. I mean, yeah, also I'm very comfort-driven, and I feel like revolution will there be insulated houses and Netflix, because... Mm, yeah, and I like a bath. <laughs> I need hot water. Yeah, so like revolution, but indoor plumbing, um, and, you know, like infrastructure. This is how they get us, though. So we host, like we... Docile already. The shackles. The shackles of modernity. (laughs) Um, Anyway, it's fine. We're in post-capitalism now. The ship has sailed. There's nothing we can do. (laughs) Bleak. Maybe time for some random observations. Let's lighten the mood slightly. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Let's do some random observations. Captain Jack, hiding a laser gun in his butt. Implied. Wow. <laughs> Where else would it have been? Um, generally, again, like you've said this multiple times before, but Jack as tech man, yeah. he literally MacGyvered a gun from nine tenths of shit all. Like, <laughs> what did it? And then he's like, I've got this massive gun made for some random bits. I loved when he was like, do I look like someone? Do I look like an out of bounds sort of guy? Because <laughs> he's like, you can't go there. Yeah, can we talk about the guy who won The Weakest Link as well? You know, who was so very conforming to the structures yeah. and plays. And he's like, there are no Daleks. The Daleks disappeared years ago. I'm like, classic. Okay. Dalek denier. Oh, just deny what's in front of you. Yeah. In front of your earth. I know, amazing. Also, I want to watch this Bear With Me show where the bear gets popped <laughs> up. <laughs> I know. Don't you love it? Like, I saw a thing the other day. I can't remember. I think it was on Instagram, which is like, give us your best fictional songs. So, like, uh, songs yeah, that, that from were show. in films. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I want to see TV shows that are in... TV shows that, like, get referenced. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. I mean, generally, just some, like, amazing Jack content, I think, mm. in this episode. So, the goodbyes. Yeah. He, we got proper full-on mouse kiss. Mouse? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Mouth kisses for Rose and for the Doctor. Again, primetime viewing. Mano a mano smooch. Loved it. And it was so sad. And then he was like, see you in hell. <laughs> no. He's so blasé. But this is also the point where Jack's entire life falls to pieces. Because, like, you know, Rose, the unattended consequence of her absorbing the time vortex is she brings Jack back to life, right? And then he yeah. becomes this man who can't die, which arguably is horrible for him. And makes his life a misery. Oh, fuck. This is when it started. Yeah. Oh, I forgot that. The immortality thing. And they just leave him on the... But I suppose... Oh, yeah, because the TARDIS goes away. And he's like, oh. But I suppose maybe they thought he was dead. But I think it's implied later, because he comes back in season three, and I think it's implied the Doctor actually ran away, because he was like, I don't want to deal with that, which is classic Doctor being like, no, thank you. So just sidebar, how did Jack get back to modern-day Cardiff. So it's explained that he's got a vortex manipulator which allows him to jump. And he jumps, I think, to, like, the 18th century Earth? And uh, then he just is lives. there. Oh, God. Yeah, for, like, 200 years. So Jesus there's a Christ. torture episode where you can kind of go back and see snippets of his life. But, yeah, he has this, like, 
200 years he has to be on Earth because he's waiting for the Doctor to turn up because he knows that the Doctor comes to Cardiff for the rift at some point. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, he's waiting for him. And then at the end of Tortured Season 1, he runs off, which is then the end of Season 3 of Doctor Who. So we've got this little crossover. Ah, cool, cool, cool. <gasps> yeah. Time Vortex Rose. Mm. So beautiful. i totally forgotten that bit. I think she was. Do- I think that, uh, Betty Piper did a cracking job throughout these two apps. We've got a range of emotions. Very emotional. I, I was wondering when she says, you know, there's this moment where she's doing the speech at the end and she talks about, you know, I give life, whatever, and she says, my doctor. And I'm like, is that her talking or is it the TARDIS speaking through her? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, hey. Mm. I And I swear through these two apps, because I was listening intently for it, they use a bunch of different pronouns for the TARDIS. I mm. swear they say he at one point and then she and also it. Oh, which is great. I love it. I'm into it. Non-binary TARDIS. Yeah. Into it. Yeah, and then when she's like the time vortex and we realise like that the doctor's like, I need to take it away from you. And then they kiss, right? They kiss and it's just like, I don't, I didn't remember it being so romantic. Mm. But also when she says, you know, I can see everything that was, everything that is, everything that will be. And he's like, you see what I see all the time. And it's like such a moving mm. moment. But he also knows that it's like burning her alive. Yeah, she's like, it's killing But me. he feels so seen in that moment. You can see it. Like, yeah. again, great acting from Christopher Eccleston. You know, yeah. very emotive. I really felt for Jackie in this as well, again, like, because Rose comes into, you know, she's back in London. She's obviously devastated. She thinks the doctor's going to die because he leaves her this very unhelpful holograph. And then she just talks about how terrible their lives are and how she doesn't want it anymore. It's, like, very kind of, like, PTSD in a way. Like, she can't move on with her life and, like, she's seen too much and, like, she's seen amazing things and what is she supposed to do? Like, have an amazing normal life? Specifically, like, quite brutally, says to Mickey, there's nothing left for me here. Yeah. And he's just like, what am I then? Fucking chopped liver. And she says, the doctor showed me a better way of living life, which I kind of like is this idea that, you know, you shouldn't just let things happen. No, I do like that, but don't, like, shit on everyone else, right? Yeah. Like, it's not, A, the the opportunities that have been presented to her, yeah, Mickey's had a bit of a, like, a bit of an opportunity, but not really. Like, that's extremely not normal. Mm. And the way that her peers and family live, like, is totally normal for a massive chunk of people and actually quite privileged compared to a lot of humanity so don't be an asshole don't like like that one friend who comes back from doing like three months yoga retreat in india and being like you just haven't lived and it's like no susan until you've like seen the sunrise across the himalayas (laughs) like fuck off yeah yeah don't and yeah i feel i really feel like she makes it really hard for everyone else and i get that she's going through something really horrible but also man that it was hard to watch i found that quite difficult i know and then i'm thinking like is this the negative side of spending too long with the doctor. Yeah, you lose perspective. Yeah. yeah. And you lose some sense of like, actually, not everything is about life and death and this amazing time travel mm-hmm. and this incredible, you know, experiences. Like, don't reduce everybody else to being like insignificant. You know, what does he call them? Bring this, humans as bring this sheep again yeah. in this episode. So, um, yeah, yeah, maybe she's lost some sense of, she's got a bit of this doctor's sense of exceptionalism. Yeah. Also, her telling Jackie about Pete was very traumatic. Yeah, I don't know if that was necessary. Trauma dumping. Also felt for Linda being murdered, but the Daleks coming up on the outside of the spaceship was quite cool. Like, you know how they come yeah. up on the outside yeah, of the yeah, ship yeah, through yeah, the window? Yeah. Like... And also, that was 100% the same room, or similar From room, the... to when Rose, Rose got trapped and the sun was coming up. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
again, we had this par- parallel between the Doctor and the Daleks. Like, Hail the Doctor, the great exterminator. You know, he has to make this mm. decision. Everyone's going to get killed by this Delta wave. And he's like, I'm making this decision for all of humanity or like for everyone. This is what I have to do, which is, again, what he did last time. Yeah. Like, it didn't work that time. Well, I know. So do you think this is kind of undermining his saviour complex? Yeah, well, he like, thought he that he's... he can just turn up and like, mm. you know, he knows what's best. Fix shit. Yeah. It's fair. And also the fact that he, you know, he's lived with this guilt of having killed, destroyed his entire people, his civilization, whatever, and others. And he always thought it was worth it because at least he got rid of this threat. But the mm. fact that this threat has survived is just... Yeah. That would not be good for the old psyche. No. The morale will be low. <laughs> How is morale? Stop asking. <laughs> it is bad. <laughs> yeah. And then he can't do it. He can't do it. Like, he can't... You do do the extremely low-tech, plungy detonator of the Delta Wave. I do love the repartee between the Doctor and Jack. I think they've got a good little system going. Like, they understand mm. each other. They work well together. I love that. I love the idea that they've had loads of adventures together in the past. And, you know, that we heard a little bit about. I know. Boomtown, I really kind of... How, what, how do the kids describe it? Ship them? Yeah. I really ship them. Cute! <laughs> Love that for you. Like I just, I'd, I'd like a, I'd like a romantic spin-off. It's I'm just sure, them and their like gay adventures. I'm sure there are many a fanfic. <laughs> yeah, true. We can unearth some, probably NSFW. Well, and I think I've yet to read a non-NSFW Jack Harkness fic. I would have to out it myself as a fic reader. Yes, I read a lot of fanfiction. <laughs> Usually at two a.m. when I should be asleep, like God intended. Wowzers. So, Naked Jack just gratuitously getting his clothes zapped off. Quite bold for the BBC at presumably 7pm. Yeah. Why? For sure. I like, why? Just because you can. Yeah, literally. Just 100% that is the reason. I think it's interesting that the Doctor is like, if you want to remember me, you can do one thing. Have a good life. Have a fantastic life. Oh, okay. So maybe, like, I'm a stone cold human. But I was a little bit like, oh. He's just quite patronizing sometimes. Yeah, this is it too. And I'm like, you know me, like I am, I got more than a fair human share of romanticness. Mm. Romanticism. And even still, I'm like, what? <laughs> what I don't like about it is that I feel like he takes Rose's choice away. Like he forces yes. her into the TARDIS and then he has this little thing where he's like, have a fantastic life. I'm like, it's not your choice to make. No. Like I don't like forcing people. Robbing agency. Yeah. You know, I know. And it's like you laid it out like, you know, got her to come on these jollies with you. She knows the fucking haps. Don't, you know, she is a grown woman. Like, let her make her decisions whether she stays or goes. And then she has to do this whole fucking stressful, bizarre shit. But then, ultimately, the price he pays is dying, right? Mm. So, I mean, that's his own fault. But also, if we think about that, just talking about agency, is there a single woman in this in these two episodes with agency? None of them have agency. Oh, God, depressing. Because um, the controller certainly doesn't. Rose doesn't. Linda doesn't. No. I suppose Jackie does. I mean... But within the patriarchal society that she lives in. Working class. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. Nah. All the agency is with the dudes. Yeah. I suppose even the Doctor doesn't have agency because the Daleks have all the, the power. Hey, can I just ask why the Daleks don't just kill Rose on the spot? When he's like, no, I will not do it. I'm like, okay. They kill the controller as soon as she oh, arrives Oh, no, no, yeah, there. no, no, I know. I'm like, and why? I was like, okay, why are they going to kill it then? Because he's like, no, I won't do it. And they just, like, turn around and, like, wheel off. And she's just like, what, all right? Like, looking she's confused. She's just hanging out. And then he's... Yeah. Yeah, yeah like... no, I know. It's because they can't... Because there's only so many bringing her backs they can do. Plot armor. Yeah. Um, 
random point, why do you think only Jack comes back to life? I think Rose just made that decision. Like, cause she's or the one I think I... that they wanted to make Torchwood. Yeah, that too. But he's like, you know, she, she comes back and she's like, I bring life. And maybe it's just because she has a personal connection to Jack. So she's like, mm. poor Linda with the Y. Yeah. She didn't... Poor, poor that random woman who volunteered, got given a gun, and then wasn't told that, like, Berlin's Danae effect... Yeah, I think we didn't really need all the shots of them shooting no, Daleks. It got very, like, gung ho like the horrible American toxic mask app, when they're all just like, bing, 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 Yeah, bing, bing, and because we've already had nothing. that, and we know that it doesn't work against the Daleks. It's just silly. Like, why? Yeah, I know. Just so we could have, yes, we know there are people on the station, like, we don't actually need any of that. The emotional beat is still there. Yeah, and or maybe showing us that, like, everyone's powerless in the face of them. It's like, no, we get it. Yeah, we know. We all know. This human, like, last stand of humanity kind of thing. And it's was just it just like, to yeah. get Jack out of the way so they had to give him something to do? So it was to go rally the troops. Pulling guns out of his ass, yeah. Mm. Standout moments. So my standout moment actually just has everything to do with Jack. I think he's so great in yeah. these two episodes. Like, the bit with Trini and Susanna is really funny, you know. I just really love when they're like, it's to die for. But also I think it's quite the natural next step for these makeover shows to be like, yeah, we're just going to give you some plastic surgery as well. I feel like maybe that already exists on, like, HGTV. Being like, plastic surgery makeovers or something. Surely, surely that's already a thing. Dude, there's, like, a million shows. Yeah. Like, to be fair, most of them come from the 2000s. Mm. Um, but, like, was an, there was an American one called, like, The Swan. And they're like, they take an ugly duckling and make you into a swan. Oh, oh Extreme Makeover. Extreme oh, Makeover extreme. as well. Yeah, and they literally course. did full, like, lipo... Every, like so boobs, you see like yeah it all fits it is all there already we're living in the dystopia we are i mean that is just i the, mean the, the noughties fact. i think was the dystopia um like i ugh. love when he's like i was much better off as a coward see you in hell with the kiss and like also yeah. she says leather trousers he's such a 90s action hero in this moment i literally am showing jen right now a note that says naked jack jack and leather trousers because, like, I just think it's such a, like, diehard moment. He's in his leather trousers. He's going down there. He's got a gun. Like, you know, it's such an action He's so, man. like, Kendall action man looking. Like, his all-American looks. Like, and, yeah, again, you know, they're not backing away from the flirting. You know, you're just, just saying hello. For you, that's flirting. And I just yeah, love that the yeah. doctor's very accommodating of Jack and is just kind of like, ugh, eye roll. But he doesn't judge him for it, which I kind of love. Um, and my other standout moment is just, please observe my note. David Tennant <laughs> is so young. Christ alive. Um, so I also have the note, regeneration, number 10. David Tennant is basically a child, question mark, question mark, so, so young, exclamation mark. Like, I literally, earlier on today, I was like, Jenna, watch the episode. David Tennant is positively fetal. He's <laughs> like, such a youngin. And we looked him up, like, wikipedia on the office computer, obviously. <laughs> uh, the office computer, yeah, we share one, whatever. <laughs> I mean, oh we God. do live Online in channels. <laughs> we live in the past and there's uh, no so. Government agency where we are not hashtag equipped and enabled. So, yeah, so I wikipedia him and he was 30 chuffin' four, which mm. is essentially our age. And... And then I was like, do we look this young to people? And no. Sophie said no, which I find quite rude, quite frankly. No, he looks, he looks so young. He looks like late 20s. <laughs> like, he's a baby. And he's kind of like, because he is kind of like, he's like skinny too. Yeah, there's, that's what I think it is. He's in Christopher Eccleston's clothes, right? So he's like swamped by yeah, this leather yeah. jacket. And yeah. Also, he's doing, he's doing English. I couldn't remember if he did English no, or Scottish. No, oh, I could have told you that. Yeah. <laughs> Does Peter Capaldi do English or Scottish? He's Scottish, I believe. Oh, they should have let David Tennant do David Tennant's voice. There is an episode where he tries a Scottish accent briefly, but... And they let Christopher Eccleston keep the Northern. 
Scot- Scottish erasure. Scottish erasure. Justice for the Scots. Wow, so we essentially have the same standout moments. My standout moments, yeah, is just, just Jack. Like, just amazing. I feel like I was kind of like, eh, about him when he turned up in the World War II episode. And then he's grown on me more. And I remembered how good he was in Torchwood. Mm. And I feel like these episodes are the Jack that I liked from Torchwood, that kind of vibe. Mm. Yeah, and I've, you know... Fully functional force field. Try saying that when you're drunk. Which A is like hilarious, you know, his like witty quips. But also they are in immediate and imminent peril. And he's still got time for a gag. <laughs> like, that's just his whole... It's so yeah. handy as well. Like the extrapolator's working. They've got this force field. It's like, oh, how convenient for you all, <laughs> you know? Like he doesn't. I love that they don't even. There's no exposition of like how he knows all this amazing tech stuff. It's like we're in a sticky situation. Jack can work it out. He's a 51st century man. Like that's enough. That's yeah. all we need to know. It's how I have to solve all te- any and all tech issues. And it's like okay, cool. I guess that's my job. Yeah. I also love the oncoming storm. Like I love that the Daleks have this name for the Doctor and the oncoming storm, and we'll get that again in the latest episodes. But you know, the Doctor talks about how they don't have emotion, but there's one little spark left, and that's fear. Doesn't it just burn when you face me? I'm like, wow, you're so full of yourself, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. Also, Christopher Eccleston's last lines. You know, you were fantastic, absolutely fantastic, and you know what? So was I, and it's true. You were. You were great, Chris. We liked you. Good job. I know, and I, I do respect the one and done. You know, that he's like, I had a great time, didn't do a bad job, you know, did, did, a, did a solid job for the revival, mm. but I do not want to get... Signed up for one season. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then he was done, and I don't know, I meant to Google it, but I forgot. <laughs> oh, boring story. Um, But whether he chose on the fly not to do another, or whether he only... Oh, they were like, we only want you for one, and yeah. we want a change of pace. Because I know, I know how popular 10 was. Yes. So maybe... They kind of were like, now nah, we could do better, casting-wise. Because Ten does bring a very different energy to the role. Like, Ten, or Tenant, as Ten, is quite a different vibe. It's not quite as ptsd I mean, yeah. he still has his moments. There are still some really sad moments and some really, like, intense emotional beats and stuff within his season. But I feel like Christopher Eccleston kind of has a bit more grit rather he, than the he's joy. trauma. Yeah. Like, he is a trauma man. Yeah. And also sometimes just straight up an asshole. I don't. I can't. Rem- I can't remember David Tennant's doctor being that sometimes like actively just mean. Well, we'll get into this when we watch season three because I think he's a right jerk to Martha. Oh, a lot okay, of the time. okay, interesting. Yeah, Martha's female gamer. Oh yeah, I fucking love her. Me too. She's she was always my star. favorite companion, which is very controversial and an unpopular opinion. But because I just never really liked Rose, Martha to me was just like this is amazing. Um, but then Tennant is such a dick to her <laughs> almost all of the time. Okay, okay, cool. See, this is why I love that we're doing this. I've totally forgotten all of this in the first time, right? Yeah. This also- and I mean, like, this is my memory from back then, so I might have a different perspective when I watch it now, because I've been a much more sympathetic to Rose on this watch. True, than interesting, previously. yeah. You have said that, you know, that's been different with yeah. your wiser, older eyes. My inter- less mi- internalized misogyny. <laughs> yeah. Ish. Oh, well, it's a journey we're all on. Yes. Gotta admit it. Um, well, okay, is there anything else? No, I think that's pretty much, yeah, I mean, I think it's cool to end on, well, A, it's always great when any TV series ends a season on a high, and mm. I think they really did that. I think there was a couple of near episodes, mm. but not not near the, you know, not the end. Yeah, I think this really lands, it sticks the landing, right? Sticks Which the is landing. the most important thing. Yeah. If Game of Thrones have taught you anything for your fandom <laughs> is that you have to stick the landing. People 100%. don't like it when you fuck up the last episode. <laughs> or lost, another one. God, I gave up way before the end of Lost Day. Like oh, I stuck, yeah. I, I stuck with Game of Thrones, but 
Yeah, no. But as we've discussed, we don't actually mind the ending of Game of Thrones, but... I know, don't add us, but yeah. I'm like, whatever. At least it's done now. I just needed it to be over. I needed my life yeah. back. And even though I did, in my heart of hearts, want Daenerys and Jon to be like, we don't care that we're related. We're going to have an amazing life and have Rule. probably genetic questionably children. <laughs> That's what I really wanted, but, you know. We you can't ship them as well. All have their dreams. <laughs> yeah, ship that. Oh, fuck, I sound like someone's like, Get noun it. on Facebook. It's like, wow, that slays. Did you have a favourite episode from the whole season? Fuck, it might be this one, eh? Mm. This well, Parting of the Ways, actually. I mean, Bad Wolf is like, you know, just classic. Like, they're just, you've got to set it up. You've got mm. to set us up. But yeah, so I like the Platform 1 app, mm-hmm. which is a cool one where they're in the year 5 billion watching the Earth get destroyed. And then, oh, I kind of didn't like the long game that much. I was like, meh, it was fine. Mm. The weird blobby thing on the ceiling was kind of like... But Simon Pegg was amazing. There's been some really good standout actors. I like how, and we'll see this get better as it goes on, how who, because it's popularity, right? And because it's very, like, English-made, English-based, it attracts some, like, great character actors. Yeah, and also, you know, the state of English cinema means that you see the same five people in everything, which is always fun. Hey! (laughs) It's true. Don't hit the player, save the game! Yeah, no, it's true. I think I really like the Charles Dickens episode, even though it was a bit weird with the Gelf, but it's quite fun in a way. It's like, you know, kind of campy, running around Cardiff, chasing ghosts. Like, it's a bit... Yeah, I like the Welsh accents too. And yeah, I like the ones where they've put a lot of effort into period set. Mm. Like, that was cool. I like that. And I like this one too. I think it comes together quite well. I also like the the double ep of the empty child because it is creepy and it is quite different. Yeah, I mean, it's like good TV, like intellectually but like did I enjoy it yes. no it was no, creepy okay. <laughs> hate this Levine never want to see them ever no, again please die <laughs> uh, <laughs> cool okay well maybe uh, we're, we're gonna wrap up season one mm. um, next week we'll be discussing our first Christmas special the Christmas invasion uh, let us know your thoughts by emailing a TARDIS of one's own at gmail.com or find us on Twitter and Instagram. Check out the show notes for links and all the references discussed in this app, of which is mainly Foucault. Um, <laughs> Gross. No, just it, no. You're, you're providing the intellectual rigor. That's why it, it's amazing, mate. Yeah, brilliant. Thanks for listening. Yeah, well, love you guys. <laughs> See you next week. Like and subscribe. Bye. <laughs> Bye.